What's up, guys? Welcome to the Humans of MarTech podcast. His name is John Taylor. My name is Phil Gamash. Our mission is to future-proof the humans behind the tech so you can have a successful and happy career in marketing. Okay. So in this episode, it's a, uh, I want to provide a simple formula for a basic life cycle. Both those words are really important for, for me. It's simple. So not overcomplicating this and basic. It doesn't need to solve all of our problems, but it does need to set, solve a base set of them. It's often hard to even know where to start. Even after you get everyone to agree to the model and the stages, you need to figure out how to deploy this thing. So in this episode, I'm going to give you specific actionable advice on the types of properties you need to deploy to get a basic lifecycle uh, up and running. Obviously, your mileage may vary depending on your tool or your business model. But I believe the general principles hold true. I've seen this in, in my consulting career and in-house as well. Uh, so I think these are pragmatic tips that'll help you uh, uh, be very effective with lifecycle. Okay, sweet. Let's uh, let's dive in there. So you, you know, last episode we talked a lot about flowcharts and kind of like using this vehicle or using this tool as this communication vehicle for other people in your company and especially the sales team and allowing them to see like all the moving pieces as maybe this this prototype version of your life cycle. So let's say that you know you're you're done that stage. You've mm-hmm. you've kind of like walked everyone through the flowchart that you've built. Everyone kind of bought in. Everyone thinks you're like this marketing wizard because you have all these lines and these automated actions going here and going there. Um, but you know, that's, that's the, that's the easy part, right? Or is it the easy part? I mean, yeah. (laughs) I mean, honestly, you get to this point that you're like, Oh God, everybody agreed to this. And I got to build this damn thing out. There's still (laughs) a lot of details to, to go from your technical side. So like, I've seen this. I've seen this happen. You know, as a consultant, we were kind of called in sometimes as a rescue nine one one to go in and help folks who are who are drowning. This is actually how I got introduced to Pierce Eugene Walla years ago. Uh, I was drowning in life cycle, and I had no clue what to do. Like I, I understood the stages, but I had no idea how to implement them. Often, I think for folks deploying this for the first time, you, you feel really unsupported, except for some high level guides from the vendors and. Maybe maybe vendors have changed a little bit from my interactions in the past with them, but typically I don't find those uh, very helpful. Uh, but once you get it down, once you understand like the muscle memory that goes into building lifecycle, I find it very highly formulaic and something that we can we can just deploy quickly. So as a marketer, you're you're kind of like in between, you know, a bunch of different teams. Like call it your data team or your your biz ops team. You're in between sales, maybe in between the end users too. Like I see this like role bridging the gap between you know what was possible on the tech side, but also balancing what the end user wants. Uh, sometimes sales, sometimes marketing, but you know, like it, obviously we touched on this in, in previous episodes, like the size of these projects, the amount of stakeholders, like it can be totally stressful managing these projects. And, and some companies have these like massive programs that are triggered off of lifecycle changes and like screwing like this tiny little thing up can have massive repercussions in the system itself. So um, I'm, I'm super curious in, in this formula myself, like what's uh walk the listeners through your formula. Yeah. Let's hope I didn't overhype this. I mean, you first, first of all, you're recognizing and you identify something important is that everybody uses this in a slightly different way. So you have to be prepared for that. Right. Uh, you know, first step is understanding your, your de- stage definitions, having very strong stage definitions that are agreed upon. Like I said, like that flu, that lucid chart is so important or that flow chart, uh, Next up is understanding your transition points. I think transition points are so critical. 
And this is where you're reaching into the database. You're looking at your activity logs, your date, you know, uh, attributes on on fields and properties. You're talking to your BizOps team, your more technical teams. Like if you're in software, like we are, you're probably looking at in information that's coming in through like a segment or a group of Roo or something like that. Like you just need to understand what those data signals are. So step one, stage definitions. Step two. Uh, understanding your transition points. Uh, step three, you need to start mapping out your mechanisms for transitions. Okay, so you're listening to your data signals, but now you need to know, okay, well, how do I move people from the marketing side to the sales side? And some of this is going to require manual effort. This is where we start to get into some more of like contact statuses and lead statuses and drop downs into, into your automation tool, your CRM. Um, the three typical mechanisms for transitioning uh, your contact records into a different stage, I would say, broadly speaking, from what I've seen, again, your mileage may vary depending on your setup in, in B2C, B2B, HubSpot, Marketo, Pardot, whatever you're using. Uh, but the three typical ones I've seen is lead scoring. This kind of handles the marketing side of things. So are you progressing? Are you getting a higher score or lower score? If it's not lead scoring, it's then some type of engagement. Are you filling out forms? Are you viewing certain web pages? Are you responding to emails? Do you have a marketing response to a campaign? So number two is contact status. Contact status is really important for the sales side. And it's kind of a transitional uh, mechanism in terms of uh, how, how much is used. Typically what I see it being used is from that immediate stage from marketing qualified. So sales is using a contact status to signal that they're gonna start working with that record. Then they're using it maybe a little bit to signal to send it back to, to marketing, like it's an unqualified lead or it needs additional nurturing. And then it may be used for additional uh, sales qualification criteria. The last mechanism that I see typically used is your opportunity staging. So then you're getting into your you know, revenue projections or, uh, and, and stuff like that, and then moving them over into the close one stage to the customer side. Of course, lots can change in terms of what it looks like on your side, but this is pretty, holds pretty true for what I've seen. So lead scoring, contact status, and opportunity staging. Lead scoring primarily, predominantly being done in the marketing automation platform. You set the the logic there. The tool spit out a number based on profile, based on activity. Mm -hmm. uh, maybe at some point that person gets qualified as an MQL or sales ready, right? Like you're ready to introduce this new lead into your CRM. So contact status is usually done in the CRM. So whether you're using Close or Salesforce or Pipedrive, you're connecting your CRM to the automation tool. And mm -hmm. you know, contact statuses are interesting because they could also like, well, obviously you need to map those over into your automation platform, right? So the automation tool has your lead scoring. It, it's what's powering it basically. It also has the contact stages, but when we're talking about opportunity staging, that's pretty specific to the CRM platform itself. Like that's where the salesperson really takes over um, kind of the activity there, creates the opportunity in the CRM and manages it as kind of the sales pipeline, right? Mm -hmm. Like there's all the stages of lead scoring across the funnel, all the stages of like being a contact and getting ready to an opportunity. But then like when the salesperson knows that there's a potential opportunity, there's like this whole pipeline stages of like mm -hmm. getting a proposal, getting all the people to sign off on it and like negotiation, yeah. blah, blah, blah. There's all, a lot of stages there. So sure. 
there's 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 a lot to unpack here um i'm i'm curious like for our listeners that are just like what the hell is the difference between like contact statuses versus like your different mql stages that you talked about before versus like sales pipeline stages like what's the difference and, and why are they important yeah so the analogy that i always used uh to ground this conversation is life cycle stages is like your roadmap right you driving around you know you got to go from point a to point z you're going to follow these streets you're going to get there eventually. And if you have a detour, you're going to, yeah, maybe I'll turn left here instead of right. Maybe I'll take the scenic road or I'll take the short route. But ultimately, you're going to have a point A and point, point Z, like a beginning and an end. Uh, and lifecycle will help you as a roadmap. Contact status or lead status or however you want to say it. Uh, I see those as your traffic lights. At any point along your road, you could have throw up a, a traffic light and it's you know red, yellow, and green. Should I stop? pursuing this contact? Should I slow down or adjust my behavior towards this contact or green means go just keep going on the on the roadmap. So I think, you know, they work very complementary to each other. They work should you know, you should be able to set up a matrix chart and be able to see mostly your contact stages and your life cycle stages, sorry, contact status and life cycle stages uh, match up. But I think, you know, thinking of it as a roadmap for life cycle stages, traffic light for contact status, that'll help you understand what the difference between these two is uh, and give you a bit of clarity. I would also say like an additional difference that I would think of for these is that life cycle stage uh, will by and large be automated. Contact status, some of it could be automated, but a lot of this will be on the sales team's hands to manually uh, intervene on the contact, right? They're going to go to a drop-down menu and they're going to select, for instance, engaging or whatever you would put at that stage. They're going to select unqualified or send back to marketing. So it's very transactional in that sense of uh, the word, whereas lifecycle stage, like you should set that based on contact status. So if somebody's at the marketing qualified stage, sorry, life cycle stage of marketing qualified. And then you have a contact status, sorry, I'm hitting my mic. And you have a contact status of open. Then you have it go over the sales team and maybe they select engaging from the contact status. That then triggers your workflow to move them from the life cycle stage of marketing qualified to sales accepted lead. And that's kind of how how that works. It's It takes a little bit to get used to. Mapping that out on Lucidchart will help you understand that, but mm -hmm. really important um, to make a successful life cycle. Yeah, I like the the traffic light analogy. Like the, the best way to give you an example of this as you were like walking through this was like the, the common uh, thing that you see a lot with like marketing and sales as you're building out these life cycle. And there's obviously like email touch points across the journey, right? Like different emails that go out when someone is at the lead stage, different emails that go out when someone like fills out a demo form and maybe they're in the MQL stage and then obviously different emails when they become customers, blah, blah, blah. Right. So you want to change the email programs that people get triggered or they become a, a member of, but there's also like the sales piece there because like your automated email, you're automating emails from the marketing side, but the salesperson might be also doing automated campaigns from close or from pipe drive, right? Like a lot of these tools have that power and they mm -hmm. enable salespeople to, to automate emails but like also doing one-to-one -one emails. So if you're sending off an MQL to your salesperson, they start off their day, they um, have a phone number on that lead and they start like calling this person, uh, they left a good voicemail, they had a good conversation, whatever. And then there's like two, three days of like emails back and forth. 
this salesperson is in a current engaged conversation with an MQL maybe, and you don't want this MQL to get an automated email from marketing saying like, hey, uh, did you know this and this about our product? Are you open to a 10% discount when your salesperson is like, what the hell? Like I had this guy like locked into like a prepaid yeah. plan. Like now he saw that email about 10%. Yeah. So like, the traffic lights here are really um, a nice way to illustrate this fact. Like if, if and you can automate some of this stuff too. Like if, if your salesperson is sending emails from close to a specific sales rep, you can automate the status of that lead to be changed so that the marketing side stops sending emails to that mm -hmm. lead and knows like not to like push this person back into the recycled campaign. They're getting engaged. Their contact status for marketing is like red, like don't touch these guys. Sales yeah. is kind of like working on these leads. This is such a classic problem between sales and marketing is like, you know, marketing, you flat footed idiots. Why did you email my lead? It was, oh, it was going to close. And then you gave a discount <laughs> and ate into my, ate into my commission. So great point to kind of recenter and why life cycle matters too much, so much as well. All right, so let's uh let's kind of tie a bow on this. Like one one of the big value value points that we we talked uh, across the last three episodes has been like on reporting, right? Like lifecycle enables you to have this cross section of your database and really get a sense of you know this top notch element of seeing you know how many people are at what stage of of your database. So, yeah. um, what what are you doing uh, in different stages of like building out this project to make sure that you're setting up your reporting? Uh, for kind of like a best in class situation as as your company scales. Yeah, I mean, some of it is just using this the, the tools that are given to you, um, the, the the proper tools, so that when you hook in like a third party attribution tool, like it's already looking at the 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 correct objects in your CRM or your database. Classic issue I've seen is folks not using opportunities or campaigns in Salesforce, like. Uh, this platform I have the most experience with. Like, if you're not using that and you you plug in a visible or whatever or lean data, you're gonna have to start right. So knowing knowing that you're using fully utilizing the tool set that you're given uh, in the proper way, it really helps you unlock uh, future value. If you ever were lucky enough to have the budget to to plug in these third party tools. From the 101 perspective, I mean, you can kind of mimic some of this uh, just with your deployment. First up is your timestamp fields. Uh, these are super easy. Uh, bonus points if you do like first and last, if you're looking at like re-MQL. So you do, you know, first MQL date and that stays hard-coded, never changes. And then last MQL date. You could also throw in counters to see how often people move through that, just to increment uh, value. Your contact status fields, I mean, they, you know, they could trigger things into into lists right like you're sending a bunch of rejected or unqualified leads to a list and you review it delete them from your database there's a nice little value point there uh, attribution fields or properties these are really valuable uh again it depends on the platform on what you have available to you within it like marketo has some great uh value points in terms of triggered values that you can look at uh, system values that you can read and plug into a property um, even if you don't like having some sort of like mechanism for for saying, hey, this is the the campaign that drove the MQL can become a really powerful tool. Again, you don't need to have an attribution tool that costs an arm and a leg. You can do this today if you if you have a little bit of time to to hard code some values. And then I would again like I would recenter on this, like look at the systems uh, with themselves and and maximize on what you're using there. Because a lot of these third party vendors, they look at those 
uh, system tools and they build upon all of that great work. Again, Salesforce campaigns is, is one, never used it a day in my life. And then I started to, to look at the third party tools that do use it. And I went, oh man, I can't believe I never use this. Like it's such an easy tool to set up. Uh, and one that unlocks huge value when you get to like your 301 or 401 of attribution. Love it. So tons, tons to do when you're, you're implementing uh, a life cycle program, uh, life cycle program. And like for, for us who've like kind of been uh, almost a decade in, into this space, like we've seen different flavors of this from company to company and kind of understanding the stages and building out workflows like once once you know your way around lifecycle it's it's not actually that hard to deploy depending on the tool you're using like it doesn't matter what the tool is like it's it's not that hard to deploy right i mean once you've got your agreements once you've got everybody on the same page i mean the, to me this is nirvana right going into the tool building out workflows testing 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 and then test some more this is super fun. Um, if you're an ops professional, this is probably your heyday. Being in meetings and project managing, not so much. So I think this is a solved problem personally. Like these tools and vendors like, you know, have have already given you all the components and all of the properties that you need to be successful. Out of the box, I think some additional modifications, you can kind of soup up your program, but that might not be in your MVP. Um, I think the real challenge here is always the buy-in component. And that's why we focus so much on the human element. Like, again, you might have like all these genius ideas on automating the, the, the shit out of your, your life cycle. And then you discover that you're making your salespeople's lives miserable. Like <laughs> my classic example is like taking people to alert city. Um, <laughs> been there, done that. Oh yeah. Like, you know, you give this sale, you're like, I'm going to alert people. And then, you know, sales gets one contact and they get like 4,200 new alerts that they got to <laughs> respond to. Like, it's the a great way. Alert is amazing, and they tell you they love it, and then yeah. like there's too many that come in, and they they create a, a rule for it, and then they never see another one. After. Oh yeah, a classic one that I saw once, and I won't get too deep into this. This is why you got to tune into the No Sales People Were Harmed episode. <laughs> uh, I saw people set up like reminder alerts for salespeople to establish budget, and <laughs> and I'm like, if you've got to remind your sales team to establish bant before you do an opportunity, fire them and hire a real sales team. Um, <laughs> but that's marketers getting over engineering and it's not a reflection of sales teams, it's a reflection of us getting kind of into the weeds and, and thinking, oh yeah, we can automate everything. Sometimes automation isn't actually the answer. There you have it, folks. A simple formula to implement your life cycle. We, we, we touched on timestamps, contact status fields, and attribution fields. Uh, depending on the tool you're using, there's, there's a lot of stuff kind of standard out of the box that you can do. Um, so once you've got the people side of things kind of nailed down, uh, the tech side and implementing that is, uh, is easier than, than, than the people side. So, uh, on, on the next episode, uh, of our, of our, uh, life cycle saga, we're going to talk about picking the right MQL model. Uh, so stay tuned for that one. Mm -hmm.